0: Come on, today we're talking about fanning the flame. Did you know God has got, God's igniting something inside of you. And we've been talking about uh, just igniting our heart. We want God to spark something fresh, something new, something good, something big. We want something to burn. Uh, There was a young lady by the name of Candy Chang. Uh, Candy Chang lost a good friend to liver failure and she really, you know, when you lose a friend, when you go to a funeral, when you, you, you have a loss of family, it really kind of makes you begin to think about death. And so she began to contemplate her life, and she began to say, you know what, what do I want to do before I die? And Candy Chang went to this old abandoned house. If you'll put this uh, picture up. Uh, this is in New Orleans, uh, 2011. 2011. And she painted a chalkboard on this old abandoned house. And she just simply wrote the question. Before I die, I want to. Since 2011. Something that just sparked in her heart. A question that she had. Now has become... 400 before I die walls in 60 countries in 25 languages. Just because somebody put up a board and said, before I die. And you know what? Can you imagine the responses that people have put on that board? What is your response today? today we 're going to talk about fanning the flames we 've talked a lot about uh, broken down walls and what causes us to weep and what brings us to tears and what 's our hot button what ignites us what bothers us what angers us We talked about the first week getting out of the easy chair from this chair i 'm telling you if you give, if you stay in your lazy boy all of your life you 're never going to accomplish anything now. In the chair, you might have a dream or a vision, but you're going to have to get out of the chair to fulfill it. You're never going to fulfill the purpose of God in your life on the couch, in the chair, in the bed. you might get a dream that where the idea may come, but you're never going to fulfill it. Can I get a big amen? Is that better? Am I better? Do I look better? If I only had a button for that, man, that would be good. Oh, my goodness, you don't have one. Hey, who does not have one of the fill-in-the-blank papers today? Raise your hand. There you go. Gushers, would you run around? Just keep your hand up. Ushers are coming. They'll, they'll pass them out to you uh, because I'm fixing to get to the first blank here in just a moment. You're going to need it. Uh, so what, what, would, what do you want to do before you die? Hey, how many can remember? You know, as a kid, we grew up, and I mean, literally, we were always thinking, Jesus is coming. The Rapture's taking place, Jesus is coming, and we had some things we wanted to do. How many, one of the things you want to do, you want to get married. I can't wait to get married. Huh? I, I, I want to own a car. I couldn't remember wanting a car. I, oh, Jesus, if I could just own a car before you come. And then I got a car. And then, oh, if, if, if I could just get married before you come it's not really that I wanted to get married. I just wanted to do all the stuff married people get to do. Before I died. Just just one time, Lord. Then I can die and go to heaven. And then you got married. And then you go, well, okay, if I can just have babies. And then you have some babies. And uh, then you go, oh, if I can just do this and this. And you know what? Our ideas kind of change as we grow old, don't they? Because we fulfill those things before I die, I want to. I hope and pray that you're marking off some stuff off your bucket list. Come on, there's still some hands. Just there, They're running them to you. Keep your hand up if you don't have a paper. So I pray that as God puts those... There, those are just natural things. You know, uh, I, I still, on, on my bucket list now, I still want to have a million dollars. I, I'm not there yet. If anybody wants to help fulfill that bucket, come on, come on, give it, come on. <laughs> Uh, we all have these, you know, crazy ideas Before I die, I want to do this And so many of us are just natural living and growing And, you know, many of these young people right now All they're saying, if I could just graduate If I could just get out of school It's, it's going to happen time is going to, time is going to go on But you know what? One day the Lord is coming One day time will be no more And then we're really not going to be worried about that But before we die, what do you want to do? That's what we're talking. What's God stirring in your heart? What's pressing your buttons? Today, we're going to talk about fanning the flame. My call, my vision, a part, part of my call is just to be the wind, to blow on your ember. If you've got a spark in your heart, God's called me to blow on it and burst it into flames. If I could just see a little spark, I'd just throw a little gas on it. That's my job. Well, maybe diesel. Gas will blow you up. I want you to burn slow. You know, we yeah, I, some of your, our callings is just to encourage other people in theirs. God has called us as pastors to help Him to motivate, to help you find your calling, and then to push you and support you and pray for you. We can't go. I can't do All the stuff God's called you to do. But I sure can pray for you and motivate you and encourage you and cheer you on while you do it. Amen? So, you know, we we, we know all, it's just horrible every year. All the the forest fires start, Colorado, uh, uh, California, and all of these horrible, burns thousands of acres, houses, and it's just devastating. Can somebody tell me how those huge, enormous forest fires start? One spark. Today, I don't know how bright you're going to burn. Today, I don't know what all your life, life is going to affect. But I'm just asking God for a spark. And I'm asking God to let me be the flame. Or let me be the fan that blows on your spark. That bursts you into flames. Can I get a big amen? amen. So what what, what what stirs you up? Is it, you know, sister, Sister Tracy... Uh, she, she had a desire years ago, she, she really had a heart and a burden for young moms, for single moms, for, for young mothers struggling, and she'd been there, she'd done that, and she was a young mom and she began to pour wisdom, and, her, and you know what, that grew, and I'm going to tell you, she has touched and blessed and encouraged and ministered to so many young moms, and it just came out of I just wonder what I could do to help that young lady. And you know what? God used her in such a wonderful way. Still using her to minister and to be a part of the. See, it's just a, it's just what bothers you. What what speaks to you? Sometimes it's not necessarily this big burning flame. It's just we see a need, and out of that need grows a passion. Maybe it's the soldiers in Afghanistan. I mean, listen, we have so many. People that have served in the military, young and old, and different different uh, uh, parts of the uh, the military and different wars and all. And you know what? Sometimes, man, you guys know what it's like. You can have compassion. You can pray. Maybe you're not on the battlefield anymore, but you have a you a, have a, a hurt and you understand it. And you can pray for those guys over there like nobody else can. Maybe it's teachers. I just saw last night on the news how a teacher had, had started on an Amazon thing where people can go on Amazon and help su- buy supplies for teachers. Maybe your heart is for teachers. Maybe uh, whatever your heart is, God, maybe it's for the elderly or maybe it's for shoes. Elias knows what it's like to live in Nicaragua with no shoes and just one pair of underwear. And that's why every year. He's passionate about us buying shoes and helping those kids get a new pair of shoes to go back to school. It's because he knows firsthand. When you've experienced things in your life, you have a passion for it. And you know what? As we, we, we just kind of turn this around today, because fire, sometimes we think about fire as being destructive. But what if, amen, it's a fire of victory? It's a fire of deliverance. It's a fire of healing. It's a fire of passion. You may be. The hope somebody else needs. Amen? So let's just talk here a little bit about sparking a fire. We've already talked about uh, some of these things. So let's, let's go back to the book of Nehemiah. Last week we talked about Nehemiah. Nehemiah had just received the word the walls are tore down. And the Bible says that he cried. He sat down and he cried. It moved him. But nothing's been done yet. So let's talk about it. So Nehemiah, he's going to follow his passion. Because last week we talked about, he was the wrong person. He had no influence. He was 800 miles from Jerusalem. He, He wasn't in leadership. He wasn't over construction. He knew nothing about building walls. But broken down walls broke his heart. And he began to cry. And so, you know what, we've all faced obstacles. Obstacles that we go, how can I make a difference in the world? I'm nobody. I'm nothing. What can I do? Anybody ever ask yourself that question? We see a need and we go, but but what can I do? Oh, you can do something. Listen, never, if you're filling the blank, never disqualify. Everybody say disqualify. Never disqualify yourself from doing something great because God, because you don't think you possess the necessary qualifications. God doesn't call the qualified. He calls the available. He calls those who say, Here I am, Lord, send me. And He'll qualify you. Amen? We don't have to be qualified. in the Nehemiah, he he, he broke all the traditional rules of leadership. He didn't have any of the characteristics. He was not, he didn't have what it took. He didn't have the money, the skills. But he had a passion. He had a desire. We talked about last week, he was just a cupbearer. All he did was taste wine, taste the food, make sure it wasn't poison before the king ate it. What, what do you do? What's your job? Don't think it's insignificant. It's important. It may or not be, may or not, may or may not be, part of your calling or your passion. It may just be that God's put you in the right place with the right people that can get it done. You never know why you're where you're at, whose life you're going to touch, who God's putting you with that may help you fulfill your dream. He wasn't on the top of the chart. He wasn't, you know, on the list of who's who. But he learned a critical lesson. You see, our biggest challenge, the biggest challenge you're going to have in fulfilling your dream and your vision and your purpose is you. It's ourself. Everybody say, it's myself. Because, how, does anybody talk to their self besides me? Yeah. See, it's when God calls you to do something and you start talking to yourself and you go, I can't. I'm not good enough. God, why didn't you call somebody else? I'm not qualified. I, I, I don't know how. And we start, our, we're, we're our biggest problem. Pretty much in life in anything, aren't we? So we've got to get over that. We've got to begin to, to have have a degree. We've got to begin to say, Lord, I can. Don't say I can't. Say I can. Amen. Hey, there, there's a child something, there's something that's got to be done. And and the question comes, we say, Who am I? What can I do? We look at things and like, wow, that's a big problem. And I'm just little bitty me. What can I do about it? Oh, there's something. Remember, God is capable of positioning you in the right place at the right time. No matter what anybody else thinks. Even when you don't think you're in the right place, you're in the right place. Listen, God has given so many people dreams and, and visions. And, and, but they, they've never come to pass because people were afraid to voice them. They were afraid to say, I can do something about this. And they just sat back. Listen, everybody has dreams. What's your dream today? Everybody. Everybody. Everybody say everybody. Everybody. <laughs> Bradell said everybody. Everybody. Has dreams. But very few people are willing to light the fuse. And allow them to explode into reality. I'm praying today that God's going to take you beyond just a dream, and God's going to explode something in you today. God's going to set that fuse on fire. How many ever lit a fuse with a firecracker while you were holding it? Now, OK, young people see all these hands? Not a good idea. They're bad examples. Don't do that. You know why? Because every one of us that's done it have at some time or another weren't able to get that thing out of our hand quick enough. Because some of them have short fuses. Some of them you can watch it burn. Those Little sparkles, and man, you're right at the right time, you throw it, and others, you light it and it goes. You're like, ah. Every year. I saw on Facebook. I laughed, but it wasn't funny because it's on July the third, and the Facebook caption said, "Today's the last day many of you will have ten fingers." (laughs) And the truth of the matter is, it's true because every year people lose fingers from holding fireworks. The one guy it almost killed him because a bottle rocket turned around and shot, hit him right in the chest, and exploded. Almost killed him. But I'm talking, I'm not talking naturally today. I'm talking supernaturally and spiritually. I'm praying God lights a few, a short fuse in you. And all of a sudden it just explodes before you even know what happened. And all of a sudden you go from having a dream to all of a sudden, bam, you're just in it. And you go, how in the world did I get here? How did I start doing this? How did I fix? How how in the world did I just write something on an old abandoned house and it end up in 60 countries, 25 languages? And how in the world did that happen? Just because somebody had a vision and wasn't afraid to light the fuse on it. I'm praying God fans the flame and lights your fuse today. I mean so many a dream will remain a dream until you take the initiative to bring it from fantasy into reality. So many times we tell our kids if we're not careful, and we need to be careful. Now sometimes it's just crazy. But I'm telling you, we've got to be careful telling our kids that's just a fantasy. They have big dreams and they're wild and they're crazy and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Listen, instead of telling them that's crazy, why don't we just kind of help them and mold them and shape them and help not kind of squash their dreams, amen, because people need to dream. Because I'm telling you, dreams do become reality. Man, if we could have just imagined, if I could have just envisioned How can I take a piece of plastic and make it into a circle so people can put it around them and go, <laughs> I'd be a multi-millionaire. Somebody dreamed it and somebody said that's stupid. And now when everybody buys a hula hoop, that guy that had Invented it and built it is like, how stupid am I now? <laughs> Listen, what you call stupid is somebody else's million-dollar invention. Isn't it easy to invent stuff after it's been invented? <laughs> Jacob, he was little. We were driving down the road, and he, all of a sudden, he had this epiphany. He had this amazing idea, and he started explaining if there was just some, if there was a way, Dad, that, that while you're driving that, that, that you could just take your foot off the gas and it would just go by itself. and he, he did. And then we had to explain to him gently, "Son, that's already been invented. It's called cruise control." <laughs> but he didn't know that. I mean, in his little mind, he just came up with that. It was hilarious. Oh, but you know what? God give us a vision for something that hadn't been invented yet. Amen? And don't listen to people that say that's stupid. If God's giving you a dream, come on, dream big. What? what what's your dream? <laughs> Youngie Cho, pastor's in China, the largest church in the world. He used to go around saying, I'm pregnant with a bicycle. See, he was believing God for a bicycle. In Korea, yeah. And he began to just. He began to. I'm pregnant with it, and he prayed and he sought God. And guess what? A bicycle came forth. God provided that bicycle. How, what What are you pregnant with today? What What's see? You, you don't know what it looks like. You don't know what it. What? Well, you don't know what color hair. You don't know what color eyes. You don't know if it's going to be smart or not. If it's gonna. You have no idea. I mean, you might be like the 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 Asian family. They, they had two babies, and when the babies were born, they were both white. They looked at each other, uh-oh, something ain't right. You know what happened? <laughs> These two families had artificial insemination, and he put the wrong babies in the wrong families. Can you imagine? All of a sudden, how you're going, that don't look nothing like me. It took... Yeah, they were supposed to have girls and they had two boys Anyway, it took six months they, Anyway, the kids are back with the right families Mistakes happen But you know what, can I tell you God, you're never going to be pregnant with somebody else's dream God's never going to put somebody else's Oh Lord, that, that's not for me Oh, it's for you why are you giving me this dream? Why is it, it's too big for me. I can't do it. No, you are the right person. God picked the right one. You have the ability. You can do it. Listen, you'll die with your dream unless you're willing to act on it. Somebody say, I'm ready to act. What have you got to lose? Who cares what people think? Well, but I might fail. Hey, listen, when they asked Thomas Edison how many times he failed, I said, I didn't fail any. I just know thousands of ways that it don't work. It's not a failure. It's a trial. This is just a test. It's just a trial. I'll tell you a lot of things that don't work. But let me keep going until I find one that does. Amen? Hey, what, what about the guy that uh, is a pilot? He's an airline pilot. He works for Northwest Airlines. He flies a 747. And in 1987, Robert Plath... Now, think about it. Every day he gets off the airplane, and he's got to carry a suitcase, Okay? In 1987, Robert Platt got out of his little workshop and began to tinker around. And you're never going to believe what crazy thing he did. He put two wheels on a suitcase and taped a handle on it. How many has a suitcase with wheels and a handle? Yeah, you made him rich. Thank you very much. But you know what? I bet that airline pilot got off that airplane every day and said, You know what? I'm tired of carrying this bag. If I could just roll it. And he built it. He made it. I'm telling you, God's given Brother Sonny so many inventions. And you know what? There's a bunch of them he's made. And he's built. And he's sold the patent. Yeah. That's why he's sitting here relaxed today. He's blessed. <laughs> and But you know what? I know. He's got some more. He's got some more. He's not done. Listen, listen. God's not done with you yet. Now, you're not going to do everything God's called. Some things you go, that's a good idea, but... Put that on the back burner. And there's other things that you do. There's natural things. There's spiritual things. There's family things. And there's ministry things. Did you know you can have lots of different dreams? You don't just have to be stuck in one. God can give you a lot of plans and ideas. But I'm telling you, there's one that's going to come to the forefront. There's one that's going to help other people. God's really interested in not just helping you. He's interested in helping everybody. Did you know the guy that invented the CAT scan was a Holy Ghost-filled Christian believer and God gave him that in a dream? How many people's lives have it saved? been able to look inside see what's going on. Let's look at how do, how, how do we ignite this spark? Prayer and intercession. Everybody say prayer and intercession. Prayer and intercession. Nehemiah 1.1. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this servant and the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Now, who did Nehemiah work for? Did Nehemiah have what it takes to fulfill his dream? Did the king? And Nehemiah prayed, God... Grant me favor in the presence of this man. Come on. God, some of you need to begin to pray. God give you favor with your bosses. Favor with your coworkers. Favor with your neighbors. Favor. Because I'm telling you, God can cause other people to finance your dream. Prayer is always the first step. Amen? And Nehemiah teaches us vision begins on your knees pray it. As a Christian, we don't have the power and the position and the privilege. Oh, but I can pray. Isn't it amazing how everybody says, well, I can't do anything, but I can pray. Like prayer's the least. Can I tell you, prayer's the best. Prayer's the most important. It's the first thing we should do because it's through prayer that God moves on our behalf. Every fire birthed by God is ignited in prayer. You've got to pray out of passion. Then you've got to walk it out. And then you've got to let it burn. Then you've got to be willing to get your hands dirty. you got to build it. Amen? Prayer is saying, God, I won't end the game. I'm willing to work. Prayer it will expand your vision to see what you didn't see before. It's in prayer that God opens your eyes. It starts as a glimmer, just as a hunch, as a nudge, as a... Well, that might be a good idea. But I'm telling you, everybody that has a good idea... Will never go and do it. And you know what is dangerous? How many times has this happened? Somebody had a good idea and they told somebody else and they went and did it. Got rich, blessed the world, and the other person, what they get? Nothing. Be careful who you tell your dreams to, who you share. Until it's the right time. You're going to see that in just a minute. Prayer will position your heart with right motives. Prayer will direct your next steps. Everybody say, Lord, help me pray. pray. Number two, keep your day job. (laughs) Isn't it amazing how so many people get a good idea and they want to do something, first thing they do is quit their job. Listen, it's not, don't go full time until you're successful. (laughs) Huh? Keep your day job. You know what Nehemiah kept doing? Tasting wine. Yeah, that's good. Here you go. Yeah, that's good. Here you go. Lord, this is not my calling. Because one of these might be poison. And I'm going to die. I'm telling you, he didn't get to enjoy sipping wine. It's not fun when every one of them are potential deadly. But I'm going to keep my day job until, Lord, you move me on to something better. And here it comes. Nehemiah 2, one. In the month of Nisan, in the, uh, in the 12th year, 20th year of King Arxerxes, when wine was brought from, for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. What was his job? He was a cupbearer. He got the wine, tasted it, waited a minute. Do I feel funny? Is my head swimming? Okay, I'm not dying. must be good. Here, Here, King, that was his job. But he prayed, God, give me favor with that man. And on this day. He took the wine in and said, here you go, king. You know what? He, he, he didn't run from what he was doing. He didn't quit. He kept doing what he was doing. He just let the baby grow. He already had the passion. He already was heartbroken over the walls. This was some, t- some time went by. But he just kept doing every day, praying, Lord, what do I do? But today, you got to begin with the vision in your heart. And then when it comes time to come before the king you got to be willing to step up. Some of you, you're in the dreaming stage, but God's about to put you before the king. What are you going to say? Come on, practice your speech. Here we go. Nehemiah chapter 2, he was ready to ask the king for what he needed. He was just waiting for the times right. On this day, he gets the cup. He walks into the king. Verse 4, The king said to me, What is it you want? Listen, sometimes people can just tell what something's wrong with you. What's wrong with you, Nehemiah? You don't look the same. Your your countenance is not the same. What's wrong? What do you want? And Nehemiah said, Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king. Oh, my goodness. The king asked him a question. What did he do first before he answered? He prayed. Come on, pray God help me have the right answer. And then he answered. If it please the king and your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked, How long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Listen, so many times that God, God opens a door, God asks, what do you want me to do? Oh, well, I'm, I'm king, I'm not sure, I don't know. Listen, come on, you better have an answer. King, send me back to Judah, I, I got a plan, i got a job to do. And the Bible says it pleased the king. What did he pray? Lord, let me have favor in my king's side. And God gave it to him. And he sent me. I also said unto him, if it please the king, may I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so they will provide me safe conduct till I arrive in Judah? And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me the timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and the city wall and a residence I will occupy. See, some of you guys, let me just rephrase that. Some of us, because I'm guilty, when the king says, what do we want? We just ask little. I mean, Nehemiah has been praying. He's been believing. He's been trusting. And when the king said, what do you want? He had the list ready. Come on, make your list. King, send me. King, send the letter with me for protection. King, notify the, the, the forest ranger. Let me have all the timber. King, I need a place to stay while I'm there. He's got his list. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. Somebody say amen. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. Now, why is anybody going to do anything for a cupbearer that means nothing to anybody? Because the king said, why is anybody going to hear what I have to say? Because I serve a king. And the king said so. When the king says so, people listen. We're not doing things by our own authority. We're walking in the name of Jesus. And at his name, demons tremble. Amen? So the king had sent me an army, sent army officers and cavalry with me. Come on, get a clear vision. Be ready to share it. When we, once we, when we arrive, I want you to look what he, how what he did when he arrived in Jerusalem. Verse 11. I think it's up there. I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do in Jerusalem. Somebody say, wow. What's usually the first thing we do Tell everybody. What's the... Come on, we're in 2019. You get a good idea, what's the first thing you do? Put it on Facebook. Come on, keep your business off Facebook. He just snuck out during the night, three days, and just went and looked. He looked at the walls torn down. He saw what he needed to do. He hadn't told anybody. I had not told anyone what God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate. We just went and saw the dung gate examining the walls of Jerusalem which had been broken down and its gates which were destroyed by fire then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool but there was not enough room for my mount to get through so I went up the valley by night examining the wall finally I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate number four number three I'm sorry Take inventory. Did I never tell you number three? I'm so sorry. Let me go back. Oh, I'm sorry. Number three. Survey the land and discover God's plan. So that's what Nehemiah's doing. He got there. He got on his horse. And he didn't tell nobody. He just started riding around. Looking at the gates. Broken down. Looking at the walls. Torn down. Look at and say, because he, he, he had been in another country, 800 miles away. He just heard. He had to get there and say, okay, what is it actually God's called me to do? How big is it? How big a job? And I'm telling you, sometimes it can get overwhelming. I mean, from 800 miles away, whoa, let's go build a wall. And then he got there and went, oh, wow. This is a bigger job. And sometimes we can get overwhelmed and we can give up and we can quit. But can I tell you, hey Amen? if God's called you to do it, there's no job too big. Let's keep going. We got we to finish. I'm sorry. I got to preaching too much earlier. Here we go. Number four. Take an inventory and gather people of like passion. Everybody say like passion. Did, did, did you know in this world, you're not the only one like you? There's other people that like what you like. Do you, do you know why Blue Bell has so many flavors? Because everybody likes a different one. Did y'all hear about the new flavor coming out? Lickety split? It's going to be so good. Just don't pre-lick it. Take an inventory and gather people of like passion. Not everybody likes Rocky Road. Not everybody likes vanilla. So listen, you can find somebody that likes the same thing you do. But you just got to look a little bit. So Nehemiah 2, 16. Listen to this. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing. Because as of yet, I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests, or the nobles, or the officials, or any others, who would be doing the work? Wow! See, we think, oh, I need to tell, I need to tell the people who's going to do the work. No, 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 no. He didn't tell them. He just went out and surveyed it, see what need to be done, and got a plan. If you tell people what to do before you know what to do. It'll never come to pass. you got to have a plan. And then you need to know how to execute it. So, verse 17. Then I said to them, See, you see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. We will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me. And what the king had said to me. Let's don't read that last part. Let's stop there for a second. Who are you? Why why are you coming up in here telling me what to do? I don't know you. I'm just living. We're living here. We're living amongst these torn down walls. We don't know what to do or how to do it. Nobody has come up with an answer and we don't have the money. And all of a sudden somebody shows up surveys it, gets the plan, and then steps up and said, Hey guys, hi, my name's Nehemiah, and I'm, let me tell you a little bit, uh, I heard about the walls, I heard about what was happening, and it broke my heart. And I want to do something about it. But it's not just me. I have a king back in my country, and the king has financed the whole thing. He has given me an army for protection. He's given me a place to live. I've got a letter right here that they're going to give us all the timber we need. We've got everything we need. I just need somebody that can help me. I've already surveyed. I've already looked. I've got a plan. I've got the finances. I've got the vision. Who's with me? And you know what they said? And they replied, Let us start rebuilding. Listen, there are people out there that want to do something. They want to work. They just don't know how. And they don't have anybody to lead them. But if you'll get a plan, if you'll get a vision, if you'll get favor with the king, when it's time and you step into that calling, there will be people willing to work and help. Number five, find a need and start with what you have the task Nehemiah was about to undertake was huge <laughs> I mean we just came from Jerusalem we saw those walls the stones, they, they're huge I, I don't know how in the world they moved them this was a huge task with, with, with our modern equipment I mean we're, we're, we're talking it, it could it took a year I don't know how long it would take with all of our equipment we have today But Nehemiah found a task. Find a need and start with what you have. And then see if God will help. (laughs) Can I just jump to the end of the story? Now, they didn't build it without opposition. You're never going to fulfill your dream without, without opposition. There was a time... When their people were fighting against them, and the Bible says they had a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other, that's dedication right there. I mean, I can't focus on hardly but one thing at a time, much less lay, lay stone and fight at the same time. But they had some opposition, but they didn't give up, and they got in there and they worked. And guess what? They built. They rebuilt the walls in 52 days. <laughs> it's miraculous. God 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 was with them. God supplied, but it all started because one man heard something and it broke his heart. It all began one brick at a time. Pastor, how can I do that? How can how Pastor, that elephant's big. How do I eat it? One bite at a time. You you can't do no more than you can. Just do what you can and find somebody that can help you. Don't try to reach 20 people or 50 people. Can we just reach 1? Think about it. If the from the rest of this year, from July the 21st is that today to December the 31st. What if each person, what if just each family Brought one person to church A sinner, a lost person And God touched their heart and they got saved And they brought their family to church We could double See, we're all of a sudden thinking i got to reach 20, i got to reach 100 No, just reach one Just find a need And seek to fill it Start little Start with one brick Find one person Find one need Start with the natural And let God put his super On your natural Amen As we close today Jesus Did you know even Jesus came up short One time He was preaching His disciples were all there And all of a sudden it got lunch time And Jesus said What do we have And they said Nothing <laughs> Uh oh He said, but we got a little boy over here who's got some loaves and fishes. He said, okay, bring them to me. And I want you to notice what brought the miracle about. The Bible says that he gave thanks for what he had. You're you're never going to get more until you learn to give thanks for what you have. Be grateful for what you've already done. Be thankful for where God's brought you. And when you begin to be thankful for what you have and take what you have and bless others, God just kept multiplying it. I I, I don't know how we're going to feed another family, but I feed one more. I think I got enough for one more. Fed one more. I got enough left. Until they fed everybody, and then they had 12 baskets left. That little boy showed up. Can you imagine, a little boy, they knocked on the door. Here's 12 guys all carrying a big bucket. And the mama's like, boy, I just sent you out with two loaves and a few fishes. And you came back with a harvest. He said, yeah, mama, I gave it to Jesus. When you give stuff to Jesus, it just multiplies. God, listen, God wasn't going to send that little boy home with nothing. He never asked you to give him anything. He goes, hey, thanks, and leaves you with nothing. He always multiplies when you give. When you give of yourself, give of your time, give your family. Come on, God will bless. Give thanks for what you have. He began to give thanks for what he had. But here's a key verse. But then he gave it away. Lord, I thank you for what you've given me. But now who can I bless? When he blessed it and he gave it away, God began to multiply. So here's what I want you to do. Every week I've asked you to do something. the first week we ask you to write down what bothered you. Maybe you haven't done that yet. If you haven't heard all these messages back on the back table should be all the little fill in the blanks. go on the website and listen uh, to, to the messages and fill those in. find out, get out of your chair. come on, find out what hurts you. Find out what you're called to. and let, we got one more week, and uh, let's get this flame burning. But here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to find one person. That you can help. I have no idea how. What? Maybe, maybe they need some groceries. Maybe they need their yard mowed. Maybe they need, maybe they need a phone call. Maybe they just need you to call them and check on them. Maybe, maybe you need to pray for them. Maybe you need to put some gas in their car. I, I don't know. There's a billion things. Let the Lord put that on your heart. Maybe it's somebody you know. Maybe it's somebody you don't know. Maybe somebody in front of or behind you, you can buy their lunch. I'm just asking you, let's do a random act of kindness. Find one person, just one person, and bless them. Think beyond yourself. Put actions to your vision. Start small. Let God put something in your heart. Begin right this moment.